Another episode, episode 91, Mark and Greg keep riding Moped Outlaws into the sunrise of our careers. Glory awaits us. Silliness awaits us. Degradation and humiliation also may await us. <laughs> Probably at some point does await us. At some point that is knocking on the door. You know, and- that intro, though, that's kind of prophetic, pro- pro- prophylactic, because... um. <laughs> This morning I was thinking, okay, Mark and I both agree and believe in the law of attraction and all this thing about mindset. So that means we should be able to create a successful podcast. Successful in the sense like it's bringing revenue. It's popular. It's listened to. Yes, we are doing that. It's happening right now as we speak. And the energetic match is being generated every week <laughs> until the universe totally feels us. The energetic match <laughs> sounds like a dating line. <laughs> yes, um, it is. We're, we're dating ourselves and today's date is negligible depending on whether you're listening on the launch on Monday or whether you're listening live on the recording day, which we remain- discovered us and you're listening in 2028 and the world has imploded. Russia and China are the world dominant powers. Oh, it's so funny because that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I just finished this great book called that's the end of the world is just the beginning. Right. Where a very smart man named Peter Zion, Zion, uh, goes through a whole array of geographic and demographic statistics about the collapse of our current system and how that transition occurs in the middle of, you know, between late 2020 and culminates by the beginning of 2040. And it's a thick book full of facts and figures and and research. This guy gets paid buku bucks to talk to the Defense Department, to companies worldwide. I saw him on uh, Joe Rogan. So if you really want to get like a three-hour taste of him talking about this, go to the Joe Rogan podcast and listen to the Peter Zihan interview. It was fascinating. It was so fascinating. I bought the book and dove right in as soon as it came to my door. Wow. And um, it's both challenging to think of complete and utter change and restructuring of civilization so and also really encouraging cool. to sort of go beyond the sense of vague doom into a clear sense of how it's likely to play out based on a very well-educated and well-rounded, well-informed person's analysis. Now so he, he thinks capitalism as a system is going to. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. No. So what's the new system? Well, Think of it this way. The way things work right now have been slowly not working very well, especially since the pandemic, supply chains, oils going up, like food, right? Like there's all these things that he calls inputs, right? That in manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. So the story is that the way things are now are not going to be the way things are then. (laughs) But a dummy could have said that, and he wrote it in 368 pages. Longer than that. But basically, China has passed the point of no return on its demographics. It's it's not doesn't have enough children to grow into doing all the jobs that it needs to get done. And it's printed 20 times more money than the U.S. did during this pandemic period. And wow. so its currency is based on even worse air than ours. They have virtually no ability to farm, no oil resources. Like they are, their society is going to collapse in the next 12 years. Hmm. Russia is similarly in trouble 
from similar situations, except they have more resources, but they have a problem with demographics and food there. They don't have enough babies and people who are going to be old enough to be in the working class in another dozen years. Now he does mention the Ukraine war having some, some ramifications around that. And it's, this would be a good time to bring up the fact that as of the time of this recording, it is the one-year commemoration of Vladimir Putin's attack and special, quote, military operation on Ukraine. It's been one year since the Russians committed a war crime by invading their neighbor. What do and, you think of uh, Russia officially saying they're not going to renew the... Um, salt Treaty? Yeah. Well, let's take these one thing at a time. Like, okay. I'll get, I'm happy to go there, but... A year ago, they stepped in it big time and they didn't win. Everybody thought they were going to win in like four weeks. Right. And here we are a year later and the world has said, no, we're not just going to roll over and let you do this. There's a lot of reasons that he gave that Putin gave this book. Peter Zion's book talks about some of the real hardcore food supply and access to shipping lanes reasons that Russia absolutely needs to control Ukraine. So it's fascinating book because it really gives you insight. The NATO agreement and how there was agreement that Ukraine would not be part of NATO as part of the, um, here's a comment. (laughs) Do do not underestimate the Ukrainians, I think Michael is saying. Welcome to the conversation. Do underestimate them. I know that's what he wrote, but I have a suspicion he means do not underestimate. I think he meant what he said. He's saying, you know what? Be careful. This guy's a friend of mine. Is he? Yeah. He's saying 1984. It's just a big brother media circus. Go ahead. Yeah. Do not. See, he's clarifying it. Do not underestimate the Ukrainians. This is true, especially when we've given them $118 billion worth of uh, military support and training. Yeah. So here we are. This book by Michael Zahan, Zahan, I don't know how to say his name very well. It's really hardcore, man. It hits you right here in the chest when you start to realize just how fragile supply lines are and how, you know, on a precipice civilization really is. And he says the last 75 years are going to be remembered as the greatest time of abundance in human history. And that it's all downhill from here. And yeah, but he's not saying it's a precipice. He's saying it's a transformation. Well, remember you're hearing it through my loose accommodation of it, my loose. Right. And so there's, Definite areas where it's like things fall apart completely and people starve to death. And then there's other areas where people manage to keep supply lines going and oil keeps flowing and, you know, company countries and companies stay in business and people don't die. And we still have a civilization in certain places. People have been starving as long as I'm no human history. I mean, my lifespan it's a fascinating book. I highly recommend you read it and, and talk about, we could talk about it some more. Um, the, the, the Russians need all of the things that the Ukrainian topography has and in order to maintain any kind of standing. Right. Okay. That's what we were. Uh, does he mention the thing about Ukraine was not supposed to be? Um, no, he doesn't talk about the NATO alliance with Ukraine in the book. No, but they had they had said they wouldn't join NATO and Russia still invaded. And so now they're petitioning talking about doing it. They were actually saying they wanted to join. And there was talk about them. Well, the way I remember history, and I could be wrong, was that prior to the invasion by Russia, the Ukrainians were saying, look, we don't need to be part of NATO. We're cool. Right. Right. Because we don't really I hear you. As what I mean by right is I hear you. I hear you saying that. What comes to my mind is, is, you know, like, so at the 1130th hour, mm-hmm. they said, oh, wait. <laughs> well, once they were getting invaded, they were like, well, screw it. Now we do want to join NATO. 
Well, yes, yes. But let me let me just look this up. While Mark's looking that up, we'd like to talk to you about one of our sponsors. <laughs> What's that drink? Andochrone drink. Andochrone soda. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome soda. soda. Oh, no, our sponsor's going to bail. Adrenochrome soda. Well, according to Channel 5 Chicago, Ukraine wanted to join NATO's alliance for years. Yeah. So I was... I was... I was incorrect. Roofing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean... I'm not one to want to sit here and justify Russians invasion, but I think we can most rational human beings can understand the strategic threat that that was there. But, you know, yeah, we had a we similar moved. one in Cuba. I, here's all I think. Well, that was Russia's fault, man. They put the weapons in Cuba when Kennedy said, don't do that. <laughs> right. They were trying the same BS with us back then. Well, from what I've heard, and I'm no expert, as you know, I shy away from this topic pretty hard. But um, the U.S. was putting bases close to the border like that. If it wasn't happening, there was movement in that direction. Okay. Now, I'm not justifying Russia. No, I get it. But but I am saying, yeah, there's a whole lot of like, it's not black and white. Here's what is black and white. War is horrendous for everybody involved. So you're saying it's not the military action is not justified. Yeah, I'm not justifying the military action. I don't justify any military action. I think even just to me, military action is human anger exponentially acted upon. No, I get it. But we all can understand that. But on the one hand, it sounds like you're saying it was inevitable that Russia would do something like this because of what Ukraine was doing with regards to NATO and that we pushed them into it. it. So why bring it up? We had a hand in it. It, we weren't there wasn't it wasn't Pontius Pilate. It was Pontius Pilate. You know, there's like this ceremonial washing the hands. I have nothing to do with it. Oh, what invasion, dear. How'd that happen? No, that's ridiculous. Right. It's horrific what's happening to people that's, who are being bombed and shot. Yeah, on both sides. That's the horror. Well, I, so far, I don't think Ukraine has killed any civilian targets. Okay. And I think that that's an important distinction. Uh, Michael says Putin wants all the independent states back under the Russian rule. I think that's probably accurate. And the book I've been reading suggests that that balance of resources and demographics is necessary to prevent Russia from falling out of civilization. Like that's one of the things that he says is the next 15 years, Russia and China do not have the demographic labor resources and food production and manufacturing to continue to maintain a civilized society. And it there's a question for you and Michael, I'd say, since you both seem very much more knowledgeable than here's what interests me in this whole thing. Do you think Russia and potentially China will um, use nuclear armaments to keep a dominant power role on the planet. So what do you mean by use? Do you think they'll actually launch something? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. Because the idea that that would no, actually, like, I don't think they actually will. What I am saying is from what I'm hearing, that is a strong potential and it got stronger with the walking away from the treaty. Yeah. Well, the question is what is nuclear weaponry What's the most effective way to use it to their advantage in this situation? Right now, threats threats are more effective than actually trying to use it. From my understanding, uh, Russia's in a non-strategic advantage place. 
and Michael suggests that North Korea would be more willing to launch than Russia. See, I Um, could see Russia launching a small nuclear bomb and it's, and then it's like, Oh, things (laughs) now play that out. Launching it. Where, who are they going to shoot? Who are they going to blow up with it? Yeah, you'd launch it into Ukraine. Okay, so or the United gonna... States, but that would be kind of ridiculous. So but let's say let's say this: so they they launch they blow up a small nuclear bomb in Ukraine, and it's it'd be an escalation. Of course, it'd be the threat. Hey, we're really going to do this? So, yeah, yeah, but and then they're finally pushed to where they do it, and now the reason they did it was to change the conversation completely. Because now it's like, oh, yeah, we will do it. We did it. Now what are you going to do? Are you asking what was Mark going to do? Because <laughs> 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 at a certain point, we're like so You're far. At, what, what do you think? Well, I think Michael is right. It makes Ukraine useless to them. If they if they irradiate it, if they bomb it, it's the worst thing they could do because what they want is to actually occupy and, and control the territory and use the resources. So dropping a nuclear weapon doesn't help them do that. Okay. If they were going to use a first strike nuclear weapon, they are more likely to attack a strategic target that's supplying them. <clears throat> Poland, Germany the UK. Well, we know Germany just sent a bunch of planes, I think. Point is any attack on NATO is an attack on the United States. And that's, that's full on nuclear war at that point. Well, let me ask you this. And I, cause that sparks in my mind that in world war two, when the U S was staying out of it and staying out of it and staying out of it. Um, Oh, go on. Germany said, go on. Okay. So like World War II, that there was an agreement, like people felt the U.S. was supposed to be involved sooner. So there is the potential that they attack, they do something to Germany and the U.S. still is like, well, wait, this is too much, you know, a powder keg for us to get involved. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's a potential of a World War III, a realistic potential? No, because I think the deterrence factor is still too too high. Hmm. Because you, from where I sit, and I'm not an expert on military war games by any stretch, but from where <laughs> I sit... I played Risk. <laughs> well, I've played Supremacy, which is a little better than Risk, but... Oh, not, Anyway, welcome to our second audience member, whoever that may be. Please feel free to chime in in the chat. We might include that in the broadcast. Oh, they left already. Um, Michael could join us as a guest if that's appropriate. Yeah, if you want, Michael, if you want to join us, let us know. Pop the, the uh, some, give it, send us another text saying that and we'll send you the link. Um, All right, so the potential. It makes no sense because the path to victory doesn't exist through nuclear exchange. The only thing that Russia well, I'm not gained... World War III is necessarily a nuclear war. World War III would just be all the countries, you know, most of the... Uh, Michael's so you're so slippery. No, I'm not. <laughs> because you say, do you think, does it mean World War III right after we're talking about a nuclear exchange as if... No, that was something you associated. I didn't. In no, my you mind, said I, them in a sequence that implied it. No, it implied it to so you. So, what I is World War? Then, what is World War Three? If you don't mean Russia starting a nuclear war with us, it's the multiple countries involved in a war. So it'd be China, Russia, probably North Korea. Who else would be on that side? Um, and then you know the United States, Germany, England. Yeah, thanks, Michael. He can't he can't come right now. He's at work, right, right. but he can listen, which is cool. Look, you can't broadcast that. Now, he's <laughs> <laughs> now we just got him in trouble. Nah, <laughs> but nah. that that's what World War Three is. Just like World War Two 
wasn't a nuclear war. It was at the end, but it really, you know what I mean? I hear you. I totally hear you. Um, there's a couple of things. You mentioned some geographic locations, right? Yeah. North Korea and China, if they take anything to like a tank or a army or anything to a, other than an air force or a missile, there's nowhere to fight. There's nothing to fight on their border. So there's no World War Three with China and North Korea involved unless they are attacking Japan or attacking Taiwan or right now. So that's why these things are so interesting. Cause what do you mean by world war three? Well, sure, like could be that like, cause Japanese involvement was more in the South seas in the war than really on in Europe. Okay. Let's not bounce between the past and the future. Which one are we talking about? No, I'm doing a comparison. How, I'm saying because you just brought up well, okay, where so would if, North Korea all right, in comparison to World War II? No, we aren't going to have World War Three. That's my answer. Are you sure you don't want to phone a friend? <laughs> By this point, I don't have any friends, not even you. <laughs> I'm your friend, Mark. I know, me too. But. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think it makes any sense. I don't think a nuclear exchange makes sense. I don't think the Chinese are going to do anything. What's What will happen is China and Russia will continue to exchange goods and resources and alliances in their particular regions. And they're going to try to extend their ability to grow grains in places like Tibet and the other regions near Russia where, where they were growing grain and wheat. It's really hard to grow wheat in Russia proper. That's why Ukraine and Ukraine is amounts to 40% of all global wheat supplies. Uh Hmm. So it's really is a war for resources there. Is that what it says in the book? Yeah. You know, and then the other piece is, you know, at a certain point, if well, let's just say when Ukraine finally defeats the Russian invasion, they're going to be a member of NATO, and then Russia will be even more isolated, and Putin will be dead. Like, I think it's much more likely that Putin will get taken out. Right now, it's a big risk. It's not a good good idea to go in and assassinate him at this point. But I think the U.S. and our allies, we are probably at any given moment, capable of killing him. Why is it such a big risk to take him out right now? Because that would be create the justification and backlash on the world community and with the Russian people that would become the basis for a legitimate war against Putin the United has States. That kind of um, support in Russia from the common people? No, right now he's hated. But if we kill him, we make him a martyr, and then that shifts. Maybe Everybody not. that's Maybe sort of neutral or job. What? Maybe it's a rescue job. Maybe it's seen as a saving. Like, oh, my God, Putin was dragging us through hell, and <clears throat> thank you for getting rid of him. If he's hated. Like, if Russia came over and took out Trump a couple of years ago, <laughs> would we have been that sad? I don't know. Well, it depends on which we you ask, right? Like if I guarantee you, if there had been an attempt on his life by the Russians, there would have been significant military resources in retaliation. What Michael says, if killed, it would be done internally after an exposed for a major failure. I was thinking that myself, that it would be internally. Isn't there a... um, High, a military high command guy that people are thinking is going to step into Putin's place. I heard some rumors of that a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to ask you that. Isn't there? I mean, you're bringing it up. There so is, you answer yeah. the question. His name's George. A lot of them just call him Georgie for, you know, kind of cute. He's a nice military guy. And he thinks the same Putin's doing is just a train wreck. Yeah. I realized about five minutes ago that suddenly I was the being interviewed as if I was some sort of authority on what's going to happen. And I'm like, 
I, I'm happy to make up shit, but it's just me making up shit based on my own, you know. <laughs> well, you read this book that, you know. Yes. Is, you're saying is a, the author is a very sound authority, in your opinion, of the future of the world. And by 2040, we're all going to be turtles. Well, no, not we all. But the globe is going to look very different than what it looks like now. And civilization will have taken... A massive a hit, a big adjustment, and it won't be. We won't be as rich in resources, and we won't be as there won't be as many of us. Somewhere between one to three billion people will die of starvation. Right, Michael has a question for us. It would still be a public vote now, wouldn't it? What What would be a public the, vote? Whoever's the leader of Russia. Oh, yeah. If he, well, if he died internally, if he died of, quote, natural causes, then they'd have an election. <laughs> but if no. he was murdered, it's not clear. There would probably be a military coup at that point. Hmm. Either way you slice it, it doesn't make sense for anybody to blow up a nuke over there. Well... I don't think it ever makes sense. <laughs> no, but I mean strategically. Like from like if it were a football game, <laughs> the idea of using a tactical nuclear weapon. The NFL in, has announced they're going to use small nuclear tactical armaments in the 2023 season. I don't know why I try to have a serious conversation with you. <laughs> this is serious. It's changing football forever. The NFL wants football to be known as American football globally. They're tired of soccer getting some of the. <laughs> we are not going to publish that remark, Michael, although we probably should. <laughs> yeah. Here's Michael's uh, take on the whole situation. <laughs> For those of you who are listening on the podcast, you may or may not know what he said, depending on whether Greg blabs or not. Right. We're just going to leave it at that, you know? You'll have to go back to YouTube and look it up. Yeah. Um, Let's just say Michael had a glorious morning. Um, Speaking of mornings, do you think that uh, it's snowing on Mount Tam is a sign of the apocalypse? No, because it snowed when I lived there 15, 20 years ago. And look what happened. 30 years ago. It snowed. Look what happened. What? Trump became president. Oh, Jesus. They weren't correlated. There's no correlation between those. Oh, really? Oh, really? Is that real? Is that what it says in your book? When it snowed in Mount Tam 30 years ago, that had no correlation with President Trump coming to power. I resemble that remark. (laughs) I've got got your number, Wilker. I know your game is today, Frosty. Let's go back to the book. Um, okay, let's go back to the book. Does he talk about the four horsemen coming? No. The four horse people? Nope. The four horse women? Nope. The stable boy? Nope. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, good point. Michael has a good point. Mike Trump was a Democrat. It snowed, and he became a Republican demigod in the United States of America. Self-appointed demigod. One of the interesting factors is that it snowed last night on Mount Tamalpais here in Marin County, which is at 1,500 feet and less than two miles from the ocean. This occurrence happens perhaps once every 20 or 30 years. Prior to this, it happened 30 years ago, but prior to that, it had been 80 years since it snowed on Mount Tam. So there's tendency for there to be um, more snow on Mount Tam than usual. And therefore I think an ice age is coming and global warming is a hoax. Exactly. Fake news, fake news. (laughs) Hey, it was still snowing at nine. Um, My eldest was on there with a friend and uh, she said, it's snowing still. Maybe it'll snow tonight. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it has me uh, thinking of those without homes. I always think of those without homes when the weather gets freezing cold. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, it is. Because the San Francisco Bay Area is such a more hospitable place than than most other places to be 
uh, living outside or houseless um, in terms of geography and weather that is. Um, It's not necessarily more hospitable in terms of social attitudes. We do have plenty of tent cities and um, rude people who are mistreating those who are um, having issues with this problem in their life. There's rude people all over the place. Yeah, well. All right, let's go back to the book. Um, so he doesn't mention the stable boy. <clears throat> Does he talk about um, the Trump family becoming demigod leaders of the United States? <laughs> Just going to ignore these questions. It's Does Bob he talk Dylan's about birthday. Why Van Halen wanted all the brown M and M's removed it's, from? It's Bob Dylan's birthday. It is. Yep. Oh, happy birthday, Bob. Also on this day, the Supreme Court issued a ruling that it's legal to satirize public figures. So it's we legal. can Yeah, it's legal. Like there was a lawsuit that went all the way to the Supreme Court about wow. satirization of public figures. Jerry Falwell lost, <laughs> and it's okay for us to make fun of those beaches. Good. Um speaking of Trump, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's like a dinosaur. He's a T rump. T rump. I like that. Um We lost our audience. Mike must have had to concentrate. Our on audience of one has left the building. Elvis has left the building. Um God, it's I was also, watching speaking that. of Elvis, it's also his daughter's birthday. Oh recently dis, 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 is deceased. Yeah. Um, I wonder that's going to be hard on her mom. That first birthday's got to, you know, the first of everything, the first Christmas without your daughter. And... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Well, what was her name? The daughter or the wife? Daughter. Wasn't it Priscilla or is that the yeah, wife? Yeah, Priscilla. No. Is that's that the, the wife? wife? That's um, his, his widow. Michael warm. Jackson's ex-wife. Yes, we was Brandy. Welcome to the breakdown in brain power. Brandy, she <laughs> came exactly and why she gave without good. taking, and he sent her away. Oh, Mandy Presley, Mandy Presley, Mandy Press. You're Mandy Presley. Me. <laughs> Come on, aren't you looking it up? No, it's your turn to po- poke the Google. Presley. Priscilla. That's the wife we determined. Um, God rest her Lisa soul. Marie. How right. Blind we she are. was Michael Jackson's wife. Yeah, she for was. For a time. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. <sighs> Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah. She seemed so sweet. I saw an interview with her where she was talking about her marriage with Michael, and she said there was this one night that was kind of haunting to her where he was watching a documentary about her dad. And he said, like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be dad at 50. And and she was like, okay. And that's what happened. No, he was older than that, right? He was older than Elvis so. when he died? I don't think so. Let's find out. Okay. Michael Jackson. Where I think he was 54. Where's your nose, Michael? It's the end of the nose as we know it. It's the end of the nose as we know it. Well, let's see. 50. He dies at the age of 50 in his home. See, I thought so. Yeah, so. You are so right. I should listen to you better. Yeah, you know what? Throw that book out the window. The four horsemen and the stable boy are coming. And the world is going to look different. It's going to be a cube. And gravity will change on the universe. Now, see, this is why our manifestation proclamation problem isn't working quite right. Because <laughs> The, the universe is just too confused by what it is we're trying to manifest. What do you really want? <laughs> I do not want a want cubicle world. Really, Thank really you. Want. <laughs> <laughs> no cubicle worlds, please. Isn't that wasn't that on Star Trek? 
I'd like to have a tetragrammaton world. Okay. Tetragrammatron world. How about a Mobius strip world? That's actually what we're in. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I had a girlfriend who had a Mobius landing spatch. That's interesting. (laughs) She said, you could fuck me forever. (laughs) I did my best. (laughs) Very good. How long ago was that? Uh, I don't know, but we were soaring for a while. Did you crash? No. That's good. That's good to hear because I have this theory that relationships that soar high and bright, you know, hot, crash and burn it's good to hear that there was one that wasn't Hmm. yeah it was fun nice um yeah anyway (laughs) are you reminiscing (laughs) just also on this date In 1942, the Battle of Los Angeles occurred, which was a series of anti-aircraft engagements over the city of Los Angeles in response to what turned out to be a a mistaken Japanese U-boat attack. That was 1941, Steven Spielberg's worst. It was 42, 1942. 1942? Yeah. But it was February 24th. Did you see that movie? With John Belushi. Yeah. Yes. God, that thing tanked so badly yes it might be worth watching i know that's what i was just wondering be um fun to do like a drinking game where every time john belushi raises one eyebrow in the movie you take a a shot god that was great you know what's brilliant is uh i watched animal house with my son and it held up so well he thought it was brilliantly funny loved it Mm mm-hmm and it was so, it's so rare, I will say, to have a movie of, you know, such age. Now, didn't Harold Ramis write that? Well, I think was he was Matthew one of the writers. Lampoon. I wonder, he directed it for sure. Who wrote Animal House? Yeah. I think it was one of the... Um, it's funny you should say it. I, it I tried to watch Young Frankenstein recently. Oh, no. And, it, and was, it was, it was directed ahead. by John Landis. John written Landis. by Harold Ramis, Douglas right. Kenny, and Chris Miller. Right. Okay. And I watched um, Young Frankenstein, which was a hilarious movie. Yeah. But I didn't laugh once the time I watched it recently. But I bet I would laugh again if I watched Animal House, especially if I watched it with a young person. God, it's there's so many great lines. <clears throat> yeah, and Princess Leia's in it. Oh yeah. no, that's the Blues Brothers. I'm mixing yeah, it up. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. Yeah. That Good was John. I love that scene at the end when she's got the rocket launcher. Hey, spoiler alert. And he's all I love you. <laughs> you know that whole thing that just oh god. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of Repo Man, the end of Repo Man. Oh, God, what about I still our haven't watched it. I want to watch that, damn it. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, February 24th is when this was recorded, and those are all the kind of historical factoids I could come up with before we went on air. Um, <clears throat> I am surprised. Oh, wait, here's one more. Harold Ramis passed away February 24. Wow. 2014. That's quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they included him in the way that they could in the most recent Ghostbusters movie. What'd they do? Oh, yeah. He's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, it's a it's a cold and crisp Lonely night morning here in California and uh I'm surprised I'm not more worried about the apocalypse yeah about all the shit that's going down but um maybe Alfred E Newman who really was my is my true guru yeah I was thinking of him myself 
Truly, what does worry do? Well, it's uh, very useful for um, anti-anxiety medication companies. (laughs) (laughs) Got that new Tesla Y. (laughs) You know what I heard? That there's a um, manufacturing shortage of those anti-anxiety and anti-HDHD meds. Like I was seeing, I watched a TikTok by a pharmacy buyer who says, who claims that he couldn't order any of those medications. Did it say anything in that book about when social media becomes our main resource for information? What? (laughs) (laughs) I am so against those medications personally. Yeah. Well, because you don't have to take them. Nobody has to take them. Right. Well, you don't have to try and live your life with the issues that are there without the medications. The people that I hear from who I, you know, go like, okay, I get that are ones who take them as a reset and then wean off them and continue on. Yeah. The people who that's how I am with beer. (laughs) Really? (laughs) No. When's the last time you had a beer? Oh God. On Christmas Eve, I had bought a really cool uh, handcrafted beer from Trader Joe's. And um, it was made by the, I think it was the Russian River Brew Company. But it was a type of beer that I do not enjoy, which had a kind of sour taste to it. Um, And I didn't realize when I was reading the label what I was getting. And I took one sip of it and poured it out because it was not... But I was like thinking to myself, oh, you know, it, it was good. it was really simple. It was just Kathy and I. It was Christmas dinner. It was very simple. But it was like, okay, I'll have a beer at Christmas. This right? will be nice. Yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. I've never had an alcohol problem. You know, I don't actually like drinking. I tried really hard when my ex-wife was an alcoholic to, to try and meet her there. That didn't work out. For me or for her. Uh, train wreck. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to launching this new energy drink with you. I think Adrenochrome Cola is going to be a huge seller. The wisdom of children. Adrenochrome Cola. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be huge. It's what the world needs as we head into the apocalypse of 2040. Yeah. So look for that coming to you um, via mail order soon. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome Cola. Yeah. I like that catchphrase, the wisdom of kids, the wisdom of children. Yeah. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Ow. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope no one hears this episode. Oh, yeah. This is one of our best. This is going to launch us into the stratosphere. Right. That's We're really energy matching for the future we want right now. Yeah. Yeah, either that or they're going to chase us through the town with pitchforks and <clears throat> what are you Just to be clear, you know, there's a whole lot of weird people who think that there's this giant conspiracy of people to harvest adrenochrome from children's dead bodies and that that's driving all the child trafficking, among other things. And so Greg and I have decided that that group of people wouldn't be able to stop themselves from buying a soda named Adrenochrome Soda. And so we are waiting for one of you to steal the idea before we get around to marketing. Not, no, we're not. Gosh, darn it. Yes, now really you know how it feels, Wilk. When, it's, when our riches are subverted by negativity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't know how that feels. My, my richness is in my health. And um, the other book I started. Oh, yeah, today, I, I heard PG&E's accepting health now for their bills. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Go ahead. Give that a shot. Hello, PG&E. Um, I'm very healthy. I'll give you one ounce of my blood. <laughs> well, I was thinking of giving them something else. <laughs> <laughs> Spermazoa. <laughs> Not that. No, that I keep that. That's for me. <laughs> For me and my shadow. (laughs) 
<laughs> Adrena, oh, adrenochrome. I need to learn the name of our. What, is that adrenochrome? Adrenoc- adrenochrome. I, whatever it is. It's mined from the Ad- Adirondack Mountains. It's found <laughs> only in the springs of the Adirondack Mountains that are under the child children's graveyards that are secretly located oh, in the Adirondack beautiful. Mountains. That's beautiful. <clears throat> it's uh we're also gonna start a second line of adrenochrome candies. <laughs> adrenochrome candies. cigarettes. <laughs> no, no. Might, just... might cause cancer. <laughs> Definitely causes cancer. For sure. The cigarette part. Right. Oh, is that what it says on packages now? Definitely causes cancer. I think it says may cause cancer. I wouldn't know. I haven't looked at uh, my cigarette box lately. When's the last time you had a cigarette? Oh, gosh. Well, that would have to be the 80s. All right. When's the last time you got high? I'm high right now just talking to you. (laughs) But not that way. We're not talking about natural high, Meadow Man. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Last time... I purposefully smoked weed. Is that what you're asking me? As opposed yeah. to accidentally. Well, yeah, exactly. I was wondering, like, what, did someone lock you in a closet and blow smoke under the door? No, but I was in a rehearsal room after I quit that where I did feel the effects. I was like, okay, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm high. <laughs> I can feel it. Um, I recognize this feeling. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was probably it would have been let's see, 2023, So it would have been June 2017. I don't know. I don't I don't remember <laughs> the last time I smoked weed. Oh, wow, 2017? Yeah. That's a long time. It'll be six years this year. Wow. Congratulations. Hey, I could share some great. If I make it. (laughs) Exactly. Because the stable boy and the four horse people are arriving on the wings of the apocalypse. (laughs) Brought to you by Adrenochrome. The cola from the mouths of babes. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. (laughs) <laughs> I can share some good news. Ah, do anything to get us out of this. <laughs> it's the end of the nose as we know it. It's the, that's the Michael Jackson theme song. And okay, come on. I love Michael. So, Is that the news? Yeah, no, it's this. Um, back in 2019, I received a Hebrew free loan, which is an interest free loan. And, um, I made my last payment two days ago. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it helped me pay down the credit card debt I had amassed that was, and the interest of that was killing mm-hmm. me. So, um, how did you qualify? I'm Jewish. Awesome. And I had, and I got co-signers and so I Whoa. contacted my co-signers yesterday and said, what an hey. amazing, good feeling that is. That is good news. It was wonderful. I was so happy. I am still like, I could still feel that's amazing. Of joy up and down my spine. That is really great. And I will say for anyone who, um, is Jewish <laughs> and needs financial help. The Hebrew Free Loan Association, there's one in San Francisco, they're all over the place, is an extremely wonderful resource to get help in business investment, emergency, scholarships for education, and it's interest free. And everyone I've interacted with over time, there has been amazing spirits, just wonderful human beings to interact with. Yeah, that's really great. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I know that the Sicilian loan company has a different interest rate program. Yes. Yep, they do. 
Um, Candy went to the Sicilian loan, and now she's laid up in bed with a broken leg. That's right. So make sure you make those payments. <laughs> that reminds me of Don Rickles when he crashed uh, Johnny Carson's show with um, Frank Sinatra. Frankie Bonambino says Thursday, two hits to the back of the head. Did you ever see that? No, I, I haven't seen this. Oh, it's very funny. Part of what's brilliant with Don is he, I think, was one of the only people on the planet who could truly be fearless with Frank. And Frank loved it. You could yeah. see, like, you know, Frank just yeah. loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, he was one of the brilliant comics for sure because yeah. he was so willing to just nail people. And um, he was definitely immune to cancel culture like right now he'd he'd be as fierce as ever he'd be in your face with well what's beautiful you know. i think towards the end of his life and career when the both were you know he had both to the end um it became something people sought out like you wanted to get ridiculed. yeah if you got roasted by don rickles it was an honor yeah exactly yeah, right that's right. One of my favorite stories is when he was at a restaurant kind of early in his career and he's on a date. Did you hear about that? And Frank happened to be at the same restaurant. No. Oh my God. It's so funny. So he, uh, he went to Frank and said, Hey, I'm with this date and she doesn't believe that I know you and we're friends. Could you come over to the table, you know, and just say hello. And so Frank's all sure. And so he goes back to the table and Frank finishes his meal. He gets up and he's leaving. He stopped by the table and said, Hey, you know, Donna and Doug goes, Frank, can't you see we're eating here? What are you doing? <laughs> Oh, I just love that. Yeah, me too. Well, it's been fun. I think we're going to leave it here. Really? This is yep. the end of yep. the nose as we know it. It's, it's the, the end, end of, of the, the world as you know it. And I feel fine. Recording stopped.